Amen. You know, the table talk is so uh, refreshing because we really do get to hear how people came in contact with the real Jesus and see that all of us have come from totally different backgrounds, totally different lifestyles, but we all have been united to follow the real Jesus together. Amen. And that is so special and so encouraging. And so today, as we dig into the Bible today, we're going to continue studying out the book of Luke. But I want to ask us a question here before we jump in, all right? Raise your hand if you have ever lost something before. Kenny's like, nope, never lost anything. I'm responsible. I don't lose things. (laughs) Okay, most of us have lost stuff, right? Whether it's your cell phone, your car keys, uh, maybe it's your wallet, or maybe you left a child sometime at church or at school. One time, a funny story, one time my dad left my sister at church, and my mom and dad went home. Luckily, church was only a minute from our house. But I ended up running out of the house because I was going to go save her. I was like eight years old. And my parents were like, what are you doing? Like, she can't even walk back. What are you, get in the car. Uh, but we all lose stuff, right? Another time, um, I'll share this story here. I think this is a, a pretty relevant one. One time my dad lost his car keys, right? You never like to lose your car keys. It's not, not a fun thing. And he didn't have, a, well, actually, no, he did have a spare because my mom had a set. But he lost his car keys. It had, like, two of the cars on it, the house key, had, like, a couple keys for the church building, all these different keys on it, and he lost them. So he had been searching for a few days, trying to find his car keys. Where can I find them? Where are they? Gets the whole family involved. We're searching all over the house. We didn't find them for three days, all right? It took us three days, and we're searching the house. We're looking everywhere, tearing things apart. Well, and to our shame, we had not taken the time to just say, all right, let's just take a second and let's just pray. Let's pray, and maybe God will reveal to us where the keys are. We didn't do that until the third day, all right? We're going to confess there. Not, not very spiritual. The third day, though, at least we did get to it, and we, we get together as a family. We're standing there, and we're like, all right, let's just take a moment, and let's just pray. Maybe God will reveal to us where the keys are. So we say a prayer. I kid you not. One minute after we say amen, my dad gets a phone call. And it's one of the, the, the members of the church. And they're like, hey, how you doing? My dad's name is Steve. How you doing, Steve? And my dad's like, oh, hey, how, how are you doing? And my dad asks him, so why'd you call me? And they're like, I have no idea. I have no idea why I called you. And my dad's like, well, that's odd. Well, I've been looking for my car keys, and I can't. And then he stopped, and he was like, The last time I saw my car keys, I was getting something out of the trunk for this person's husband. And he was like, and so he runs downstairs. He's like, my keys have to be in the trunk. He runs downstairs, opens the trunk, looks through the whole trunk, can't find the keys. He's like, oh, man, it's not there. So I'm like, well, look underneath the the spare tire. Maybe it got slipped under there. He rips up the, the, the mat, looks under the spare tire, and there are his keys sitting right there underneath the spare tire. And he was like, I have no idea how I got it. Oh, yeah, there's some keys there. He has no idea how they got there. I guess he left them in the trunk and drove, you know, used my, my mom's keys, drove off, and they slipped under there. Who knows? But he lost them, and then he found them three days later, all right? So what's the moral of the story? It ain't fun to lose stuff, Okay. Caused a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, but hey, when we prayed, God provided, all right? God always provides. But today, the reason I bring this story up, the reason I bring up this idea of losing something 
is because we're going to be looking and turning in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15 and talking about how the real Jesus finds what was lost. Amen? The real Jesus finds what was lost. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 15. We're going to jump into a powerful message here. I don't have it on the screen, so we got to go old-fashioned and turn to our Bibles. Amen? We're going to read the whole chapter together here of Luke chapter 15, and we're going to see three different instances where Jesus explains a parable of losing something, okay? Luke 15, verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to... to to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when when this son of yours 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the bro this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. All right. So we got a lot to unpack here, right? Yep. A lot to dig into. But we see that the chapter begins here with these Pharisees and we see, sorry, excuse me here. That it begins with the Pharisees and the tax collector, or I'm sorry, the tax collectors and the sinners were gathered around with Jesus, right? And then the Pharisees and the religious people were like, here he is again, look what he's doing, right? And we've seen this theme already in the book of Luke. We've seen this theme that Jesus is welcoming the sinners to eat with him. And so before we dig into anything, that's a great lesson already in itself to remember that Jesus will associate with anybody because he came to save, not to judge. Amen? What we're going to do right now is we're going to dig into the three different parables. We're going to look at the three different types of things or the three different things that were lost and Jesus' response to them. And so we're going to start off here with the sheep. All right? Let's talk about sheep for a second. Sheep are not the smartest animals, okay? Sheep like to wander off. They kind of drift away from the flock at times. And there's a huge need for sheep to have a shepherd. That's why shepherds are a thing, okay? <laughs> they have to shepherd the sheep because sheep will start wandering. And so the first parable of the lost sheep tells us that God cares for each of his children. And he rejoices when even one turns to him. Need some water. It says he leaves the 99 sheep to reach out for the lost one, to find it, and then he rejoices when he finds it. And so we understand that this idea that sheep wander, right? Sheep like to go and they like to get into problems. That's why you see lions and bears will attack sheep because they're easy, an easy prey. And so there's a need for a shepherd. You know, I think this can be relevant in our lives and can be applied to our lives today. Some of us, at times, can be a little bit like sheep. All right, we can start to wander. We may start to drift. We may start to get distracted. Oh, look at this over here. I wanna go, I wanna go check out this area. Oh, look at that over there. That's how sheep are, right? And sometimes we do that spiritually speaking. We get distracted and we start losing focus of our spiritual walk with God and we get distracted, whether it's through different things like compromising in our convictions. Maybe it's a lack of just being disciplined and spending time with God, reading our Bibles, praying to God, being in a relationship, excuse me, in a relationship with him and desiring to grow closer to him, right? Thank you. Sometimes maybe it's we can just forget to invite people into our lives to speak into what's really going on in our lives and give us wisdom and give us advice and give us discernment on how to think about how to do things in our daily lives. We need help. Yeah. But sometimes we don't invite that and we get away from that. Maybe it's distractions of this world. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. But maybe we get distracted by the worries of this world, whether it's financial, whether it's a health issue. And they're real issues. But we allow that to, to, to take us away 
and start wandering from the flock, wandering away from what Jesus really is trying to do, and that is be in his presence and be united with him, but we can get away from that sometimes. You guys with me? That's sort of how sheep act. That's how sheep are. And we've got to admit sometimes when we're in that spot, sometimes we've got to admit when we're acting like a sheep and we're starting to wander and drift, and we've got to be vulnerable and humble because what we see is that Jesus welcomes us back. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus wants to bring you back into his presence regardless of how far you may have wandered. No matter how far you've wandered, maybe if you look back on your life in the past, maybe you haven't wandered right now. Maybe you're close to God right now. Amen, that's great. Maybe some of us have wandered. But I know at some point in our lives, we've been distant from God. It's not a great feeling, but the best feeling is when Jesus welcomes us back calls us to repentance and we get reunited with him. Amen? Amen. You know, even though we may wander like sheep, Jesus is willing to rescue you. Amen? Jesus is willing to rescue you. No matter where you've been, where you've gone, no matter how far, how deep and ugly the sin may feel that you may be in right now or have been in in the past, Jesus wants to welcome you back. And I hope that message is clear this morning for you. No matter where you're at, what you've done, Jesus will welcome you back. He wants to invite you back like a good shepherd. He says, I'll leave the 99 to save the one. That's how Jesus views our souls. He values our souls deeply. He cares so much for our lives and for our souls. Amen, brothers and sisters? Let's not forget, no matter how far we may wander, he'll always come searching for us. Let's look at the next parable here. The parable of the lost coin. Right? And we see that this idea of the lost coin is that this lady had, I believe it says, it says she had ten silver coins. Right? Put a quarter up there. Best we can do, right? For, for our relate. We don't go by coins, okay? Let's say $100 bills. How about we say that? If you lose a $100 bill, you're going to go, whoa, I better look for that, right? I'm going to tear apart the house and search for that thing, right? And it says, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Kind of like how my dad lost his car keys, right? We had to tear apart the whole house to find those car keys. You know, the second parable of the lost coin, it shows us that every soul is significant and valuable to God even though it may seem insignificant to us. Even though it may seem insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Sometimes we can discount things. And sometimes we neglect the value of even our own souls sometimes. We neglect the value and we begin to value things of this world. Kind of like we talked about earlier. And we allow ourselves to get stuck into patterns of this world. Right? There's a lot of patterns in this world that we may get stuck in in our daily lives. And we allow ourselves to drift into that because we're no longer seeing the value of our soul that Jesus has for us. And we start viewing it from a worldly perspective. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me ask you this morning, 
What may be some of the patterns of this world that influence your life? What is it that may influence you? I think some of us don't realize it sometimes how much the world really is influencing us. This world has a strong pull, a strong force, a spiritual force that's trying to pull us away from Jesus. You know, we can get influenced by social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. How many am I missing any? Be real. All right, that's a new one. We allow these, and are these bad things in nature? I think they can be used for good. So I'm not here to bash social media. I'm here to talk about how it can influence us to not be like Christ. And when we're on it too much, when we're consuming our lives with it on a daily basis, rather than consuming ourselves with the Word of God, then we start drifting and we become lost, like a lost coin underneath the couch, getting all dusty and dirty because we're not close to Jesus. We're not seeing the significance of being close with Him. Maybe for some of us, it's politics. The election's coming up next year. Yeah, I said it. It's coming up. Past two years, been relatively quiet. How's it going to be in a year? Things are going to start influencing us. We're going to see things on the news. We're going to see things on, on the internet. We're going to hear from our neighbors. Are we going to allow that to shape our view of Christ and his church? Are we going to allow that to shape the way we see this lost world? Or are we going to allow Jesus and his word to shape us? Maybe for some of us, it's our jobs. It's maybe making money. I think this, this can be a hard one. I think for me, being a young man in 2023, I want to try to make money. I have a side business that I do. And it's hard for me sometimes to not allow that to consume me. And I just focus on that rather than focus on God's mission. And I allow money to become something that influences me. I don't know what it is for you. We can't allow the patterns of this world to control us. We can't conform to this world's patterns. This world's patterns is going to lead us back to being lost. You know, Jesus, again, he values our souls so much. And when we lose sight of the value of our soul, we lose sight of the real Jesus. Jesus begins an unrelenting pursuit for your soul when you start to wander and drift. Jesus begins to to go after you. He starts sending people at you. I don't know if that's ever happened where you maybe miss church and someone calls you up. Hey, I missed you at church. Where are you at? That's Jesus sending someone to get you. Saying you're wandering. Now I'm not saying you miss church once in a blue moon. It's it's not the end of the world. But you get my point. Jesus will not stop pursuing you. And he will never give up on you regardless of how long it takes, how ugly it looks, how frustrating it may feel, how many curveballs are thrown at him. He ain't giving up because he values your soul so much and he was going to find you and save you. You know, the woman who was looking for that lost coin in the parable, it says she rejoices when she finds it. 
She rejoices. She's fired up. I found the coin. I found the $100 bill. You guys would all be fired up if you found your $100 bill you lost. Imagine how much more Jesus feels when his soul is reunited with him. Shut this thing off. Here we go. You guys with me? So this is the view that Jesus has. The real Jesus views your life, your soul, in a way none of us could imagine. He loves you deeply, but we allow ourselves sometimes to not have the same type of view and value the same type of things. Guys, let me just throw this out there. If we saw the value of our souls the way Jesus saw it, we would be motivated even more than ever to want to go save other souls. If we saw, wow, Jesus loves me that much, he would do anything. Think about how much that should fill us up to go spread. I love that video we saw, right? Yeah. It would, we just want to spread the good news to Christ, of Christ. Spread it to all of our neighborhoods. Tell all of our coworkers. Yeah. Invite them to a relationship with Jesus. You know, for the campus students, and we share our faith on campus, I try not to say, don't invite them to the club of, you know, we have an on-campus club. Don't invite them to necessarily, I mean, sure, bring them to an event, that's great, but invite them to a relationship with the Almighty God who loves you more than anyone. That's what we're inviting them to, is a relationship with Jesus, amen? That's what should motivate us. The last one here is the parable of the lost son, right? This is a very famous parable here. We all know most of us may know sort of the idea and the story behind this one, right? It's that the, the prodigal son, right? He tells us about God's, it tells us so much about God's grace and mercy, despite what we do, despite the, the ugliness we may go through. Even in the face of rebellion, in the face of disobedience, disrespect, the father waited and looked for that son, says he saw, saw him way out in the distance, ran up to him, hugged him, put a robe around him, treated him with honor. He didn't deserve it. None of us deserve the honor that Jesus wants to give yep. to all of us. None of us deserve that. It's a complete sacrifice that Jesus dying on the cross has given us an opportunity to be united with him. It's amazing. And when we see that sometimes in our lives, I think that God, we may put God in a box, and we may feel like we're restricted, and we may feel like we got to just follow these set of rules. And, you know, as a kid growing up and in the teen ministry, I'm going to speak to the teens for a second. I felt restricted in my relationship with God. I felt like I had to fit in this box, be a good Christian boy. My dad was preaching on Sundays. I had to look good all the time. And I put God into a little box. I said, I got to just be this picture-perfect disciple of Jesus. And I didn't allow myself to think outside of the box and think about, wow, God just wants to know me. He just wants to be united with me. I made it about the rules made about all the stuff you don't do as a Christian, right? Yeah. But Christianity is not about all the things you don't do. You never go ask, like, the best athlete in the world, hey, tell me all the things you don't do to become the best athlete in the world. That's a weird question. Yeah. You ask them, how did you get here? What would you do? What are you doing? Yeah. In our relationship with God, it's the same thing. We're asking him, 
Or what we're trying to do is we're trying to be in a relationship with him. What are we doing? Rather than all the sin we're trying to avoid. No, it's, man, I just, I just want to love you. I just want to be connected with you. I just want to help people with you. I want to be able to impact souls with you. When you're thinking that way, it's not about all the things you don't do. It's about all the things you get to become and do with Christ. But that was hard for me to understand. And I think some of us at times can get enticed by the world's desires. We can get enticed and we can get pulled and dragged. And we allow ourselves to believe the lie that life without God can be better. And that's just simply not true. And we see that through the story of the prodigal son. We see that he goes and squanders all his wealth. Realizes he's empty. Says, I got to go back. It's the only thing I got. And again, what do we see? This idea of Jesus says, I'm going to take you back. Not only am I going to just take you back and make you one of my servants, I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to give you value. I'm going to treat you as though this never even happened. That's how he views us. Even, that's what grace is. Just as if you had never even done it. You never even sinned. That's what Jesus' grace means for your life, brothers and sisters. And so as we're closing out here, the message in these three parables, I hope, is very clear to you. No matter how far we may wander, God always invites us to return to him. He always invites us to return to him. But I think this question here is really important. How do we respond to that invitation? How do we respond to this invitation? And I think it's really important that we get in touch with this. Really important we connect with this this morning. That we, you consider how you think about this in your daily spiritual walk. How do you respond to that invitation of being welcomed back to Christ? Do you take it for granted? Do you take it in vain? Do you just continue to do the things you've been doing? Or do you allow that to motivate you to change? motivate you to grow, motivate you to dig deeper in your love for Christ because he showed you love first. As we close out, I want to ask a couple questions here. Are we like the lost sheep? I don't know where you're at this morning. Are you like the lost sheep, unaware that you may even need rescuing? Maybe you've wandered off. Maybe you've been drifting little by little and you don't, you, you're waking up and you're like, whoa, I didn't even realize where I was. Maybe some of us are like the lost coin, neglecting the value of our soul, not seeing it the way Jesus sees it. And we need to course correct, and we need to start seeing it the way Jesus values it. And maybe some of us are like the prodigal son, thinking the grass is greener on the other side and leaving the Father's love. Maybe some of us are drifting away and we're like, man, it just looks so much better to go do that oh, I don't have to give as much to the church. I can just go and do what I want. Thinking that's going to fulfill you. Wherever you're at this morning, brothers and sisters, I want us to take a moment to reflect on these questions. Ask yourself, which one of these am I identifying most with? Which one is sticking out to me the most? And consider if we need to turn to God and seek His forgiveness. Bottom line is we're all imperfect. We're all sinners and we all need the grace of God. So let's take the time to consider, man, where am I at? What's really going on? 
I want to encourage you to invite people into your life to help you process and think through this. Study this out, maybe through looking at the Word of God, talking about it. This will help you grow and understand and learn more about the real Jesus. And let me remind you, even if you have strayed from the path of righteousness, let's say you've been a Christian for 25 years and you're starting to wander and drift. Even if you're there, God will always be there to welcome you back. That is who God is. God does not hold a record of wrongs against us. Let's remember that. Let's, let's focus on that. And he'll welcome you to his loving embrace. That is who God is. Amen? And so, as we close out, we got a prayer for the week, all right? Prayer for the week. I want us to ask God to reveal the ways that you may have conformed to the world's patterns. All of us can get stuck in this. All of us in here. Maybe it's, maybe it's social media and you're starting to let that influence you. Maybe it's a certain sin that you're, you're giving into. Whatever it is, what are the patterns you need to identify and ask God to reveal that to you? And your prayer for the week is I want us to identify, or that was the prayer, this is action step. Identify one way that God has rescued you. This is really important. It's so important to identify how God really has saved you and rescued you so that way you can understand the significance of your soul to God. And when you allow that to penetrate your heart, now you can start to help others. Amen? And so let us take heart knowing that we serve a God who never gives up on us, never gives up, but instead relentlessly pursues us until we are found. You know, this was shown to us through no greater action than Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Amen? Amen. Jesus displayed that physically 2,000 years ago by dying for your sins. He loves you, he values your soul, and he wants to welcome you back. Let's say a word of prayer and we'll take communion together. Lord, thank you so much for this morning and this time to be able to dig into your word a little bit, to be able to, to recognize that you save those who are lost. God, I'm so grateful you saved me. I'm so grateful that I've been saved from so much heartache, so much pain, and you've saved so many others in this room from the same thing. Lord, you've saved so many of us and brought us so close to you, God, and I am so grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus dying for our sins. Lord, the, the grace that we've been able to receive, the mercy, the love, God, it inspires and compels us to live for you so that we can grow your kingdom, that we can grow in our knowledge and love for your son, Jesus, and we can love as many people along this journey as well. God, we love you. We thank you that you've revealed to us who the real Jesus is. We pray that we continue to follow him and connect with him this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.